Today marks Victory Day in Russia, marking the Soviet Union's defeat of Nazism. Now, President Putin wanted the war in Ukraine over in time for May 9th Victory Day celebrations. But what is the reality of the conflict and the the state of it in Eastern Europe right now? With some insight this morning, we're joined by Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. Good morning once again to you, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, and thanks for having me again. So they are celebrating in Russia, uh, even though, really, there has been no victory in Ukraine, but that really doesn't matter to President Putin, does it? No, I mean, I mean, well, he'd like to have it, but he didn't. So so what, what we saw then, therefore, in, in Moscow today was Putin delivered two key messages. Uh, one, uh, he said, okay, the commemoration of the Soviet victory uh, over German uh, Nazism in World War II, the Great Patriotic War. And actually, he actually briefly mentioned uh, the fact that Western allies were also part of that equation. But then he goes on and he says, once again, Russia is faced with a threat. And this time, the threat is NATO enlargement. And so and he says, he goes back to the Russian negotiating uh, positions that were back in the fall when we were discussing this. And basically in December, he, he, he refers to the, the notes that the Russians had sent to the United States and NATO asking to negotiate a, uh, a legally binding framework uh, security framework that would stop NATO enlargement. And then he goes on to say, this didn't happen. So we, the Russians, had to take what he called a preemptive military action against Ukraine to stop the enlargement. And there's a subtext in there. Uh, I think your, your news coverage mentioned that about, um, you know, the, the sort of the, the neo-Nazis in, in, in Ukraine as well, which he briefly mentioned that as well. And he linked that to the Bandera movement that Ukraine nationalists said in alliance with Nazi Germany against the Soviet Union. So there is that subtext. But the main emphasis of Putin's uh, speech in today's context was that Russia is once again involved in a struggle against not just Ukraine, but the West and, and threatening, threatening Russia. It's big picture stuff we're talking about. And uh, Andrew, I'm wondering if you can give us the latest on the ground. And I know that on the weekend, the big news was that the last of the Ukrainian civilians that were trapped in that steel plant in the port city of Mariupol have been evacuated. Uh, but where is the attack on the ground right now uh, from the Russian invaders? Are, are they pulling back? Are they really refocusing? Both. Uh, they they uh, Certainly they're focused now on the Donbass. I mean, they, they've given up on the rest of Ukraine. That, that's that been around for about a couple of weeks now. So the battlefield is the Donbass itself, the entire uh, regional administrative region of the, of, of the Donbass, including the two self-declared republics of Luhansk and Donetsk within that. And Mariupol is in the southern part. Uh, so it's in it's in the Donetsk part, and that city, as you mentioned, that steel mill. Um, what's left is is a. Um, it's not, the figures are not clear. I mean, it's somewhere less than two thousand, um, maybe a thousand uh, Ukrainian fighters from something called the Azov Brigade that continue to hold out, but they are completely surrounded there, uh, and basically the Russians do control. The, the, the rest of the city, and, and, and the steel mill is cauterized by the seaport. Now, the battle in the rest of the Donbass is going back and forth. Uh, 
I guess you can say the Ukrainians have mounted successful counterattacks, particularly in the northern part of that of that front. The, the Russians are making some uh, progress in the more southern part. So, in, in layman's terms, it's a war of attrition that is going back and forth, both sides attacking and counterattacking. Andrew, you know, with with Putin today using his Victory Day speech to to really kind of tell the Russian people that the reason they attacked Ukraine was to protect Russia. Are the people buying into that? Do you think still? I mean, I know it's it's hard to get the message, um, you know, uh, hard to get the true message into the people of Russia. But is that happening? Are, are people understanding what's going on or do they really just take Putin at his word because that's all they know? So the best that we can tell from here, because, again, our, our reporting, Western reporting in Russia is quite limited now. And so, but what the picture that we are able to put together thus far is that the majority of Russians are relying on the messaging of the state media. So, therefore, the majority of Russians are buying the narrative. Uh, it, it's likely that there is perhaps no great enthusiasm for it, but neither is there opposition at that level. There is a sort of, they'll go along with it. Um, uh, now, there are, of course, uh, reports of certain oligarchs uh, and certain members of the elite that are opposed to the war, and, and some have voiced their opposition. So it, it's not uniform there at all. And some of the intelligentsia and, uh, and younger people have actually left Russia. Um, when the war started. But the majority, you can say that the, there's a firm base still. Putin has a base of support still. What can you tell us, uh, Andrew, about uh, Belarus? Because it seemed to me, uh, you know, unified with Russia, but we're hearing reports over the past week or so about uh, some saboteurs, people trying to undermine the Russian attack coming out of Belarus. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the Belarusians, they, don't forget, they, they had, a, they had a, a near revolt against Lukashenko mm-hmm. uh, a, year, a year plus ago. And he's, Lukashenko has managed to squash that and, and, uh, and maintains his control. But he's been very careful on this. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's not 100% in control. And he is, he is the ruler. But, you know, if he pushes too far, he could reignite those, uh, those protests. And, you know, in his interviews uh, last week, uh, he, he spoke with a, a Western uh, reporter of some sort, and he basically he said, you know, he didn't think, while he agreed with Russia in terms of this war against NATO enlargement, he didn't think it was going to drag on this long, he said, almost like a fatigue he had, you know. So uh, Belarusia has, has some issues, and they're not getting involved in the war, I mean, in terms of actually direct Belarusian troops. There had been talk about that a few months ago that they might get involved, but I basically I don't think they have the political strength to do that. So what they contribute in that sense is supply lines for the Russians, and and they, the Russians can then stage exercises in Belarus to try, which they have done the last few few days. In fact, there has been some exercises there to kind of pin down Russian uh, Ukrainian forces in the north. Uh, so they because they Russian the Ukrainians can't say well they're not going to come because they might. And so, therefore, you mobile, you exercise and pin some forces down mm-hmm. and keep those Ukrainians from contributing to the defense in the Donbass. It's a complicated situation. We'll continue to update it with you. Thank you so much again for your time this morning, Andrew. Appreciate it. Great to talk to you, too, and thank you for having me again. Take care. Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. And, of course, we know the Prime Minister uh, was in yes. Kiev yesterday in the area, opening up the Canadian Embassy once again. It's very interesting. It's good to see these Western leaders, including ours, 
uh, making uh, the trek and not just uh, you know verbalizing and, and uh, writing uh, checks for support but physically being it's incredible thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast don't forget to subscribe rate and review for free at apple podcast google play or wherever you find your podcasts and tune in to mornings with sue and andy from 5 30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 chqr